0: Star Jelly Files, Episode 13, History in the Galactic Alliance Hello everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Star Jelly Files. This week I am not broadcasting from my usual location, but from one of the headquarters of the Galactic Alliance. This week's broadcast is not a typical one. I do not have a letter to share from any of the beacons. As you found out last week... By, Link, and Fall are missing in action somewhere in the Spiral Galaxy. Bert, Hum, and Opal are somewhere near the Gate of Dragons. I have not heard from them since Opal's last update, but my friends that live in the area of the galaxy say that they are en route to the Spiral Galaxy as well. One of my friends say they saw Bert following Chester's ship. I imagine their silence is because they are very busy at the moment. Walter, who had stayed behind to watch over Clara, is on Earth waiting for the others to return. I imagine he is spending some time asking Clara some questions, asking some questions that she wouldn't answer for anyone else. Like how much does she really know about Chester and Tempest, and what side she is really on? A lot is happening. There are a lot of moving pieces, and those pieces do not even include what is happening with the rest of the Council of Beacons and their actions to stop Chester. Those moving pieces also don't include the greater happenings that are spanning the universe and how they intertwine with our story so far. So this week, while we wait for news, I wanted to share with you what I have been doing. I know this is a little untraditional for our broadcasts, but I think this insight will help to draw a larger picture of the state of the universe and the challenges we are facing. Like I said, I am currently at one of the headquarters for the Galactic Alliance. The Galactic Alliance is a gathering of galaxy leaders from a great many worlds. Most of the worlds in the universe, in fact. They are different than the Council of Beacons. We are advisors and researchers. We recommend courses of action based off of our many experiences and lives, and help those worlds that are looking to enter the galactic community. We are equipped for this role because we remember all of the lives we have lived, all of the worlds we have lived on where most beings from most worlds have those memories erased from their minds before birth. Their soul memories are still there, but not accessible to them like ours are to us. This is by design, so when a soul is born to a world, they can have a fresh start. They do not have to hold the burdens of a life they no longer have impact over. The beacons hold our memories so we can speak of the past, of how worlds and the universe have changed, and what we think may happen based on current trends. We work with the Galactic Alliance to share our perspectives and add to their understanding of the universe and its history. The Galactic Alliance is a universal alliance of planets, where members have agreed to work together for the safety and ascension of the universe. They all bring their individual skills and perspectives to come to agreements together about how to help everyone. They meet often, once a galactic season or so, but for the past couple of years have been meeting more frequently. Beyond the general threats and problems that we deal with, like planets trying to take over other planets and beings like Chester who are making grabs for power, there are greater energies that are shifting and moving across the universe. These energies impact the decisions and goals of the Galactic Alliance. I am here to meet with them for two reasons. One is to update them about Chester and Tempest. Although the actions these two are taking are not impacting every world yet, I am planning to inform the Alliance so that they can prepare to help stop them. They have assisted in the past with similar situations when they could. And I know you are probably asking why we don't simply call all of the spaceships from all of their worlds and send them after Chester and Tempest. We could do that. We have done that in the past for beings who are working to cause galactic damage. But the difference is, we don't yet know the true intentions of Chester and Tempest and how many worlds are involved. If we were to call out all of our allies now, we may never know where the true root of the problem is. Instead, we will take a quieter approach. We will protect those worlds that come into contact with them, the Alliance will help with that, and we will continue to watch and observe until we know more about their true intentions. Then, maybe, we will call all of the ships. The second reason I am here is to advise the Galactic Alliance about the shifting energies of the universe. You see, right now, the universe is evolving. Much like a great many living organisms, the universe is a living energy that grows and changes with time. It is made up of vibrational frequencies that fall in and out of sync based on the energies of the planets and beings that exist within it. I know that might sound like a really abstract concept, but think of it like this. The universe is a symphony. Each galaxy is a section of instruments. Each planet is a type of instrument and each being that exists is an individual musician. So the universe is the symphony, the Milky Way galaxy is the string section, Earth is the violin section, and each human is playing their own violin that contributes to the vibration or song of the universe. Sometimes it plays in tune, sometimes some worlds are off-key, but the ultimate goal is to get everyone playing collaboratively so the vibration of the universe harmonizes rather than clashes. This has been a project we have been working on for a long time, and it comes in phases. In fact, the last time we tried this was during the second age of Earth when Atlantis was a real place. Every time we work through a vibration shift, some worlds succeed and some worlds don't. This is not inherently bad, it just means that they were not ready to move on to the next phase or piece of music, or soul development as we call it. The last time we attempted this phase shift, we did not succeed. Not all of the worlds involved, not all of the souls, were ready. Which is okay, but the Galactic Alliance and the Beacons are getting ready for another attempt. Getting ready to help the universe shift to its next song. Things are different this time. I know, you are now probably asking yourself, what do I know about what a soul is In the claims I am making about reincarnation? That is a much longer conversation, and one that we will have another day. For now, it is only important to understand that all souls are working together to sing a song. I arrived at the headquarters for the Galactic Alliance in the usual way. For me, that is through an advanced form of astral projection. This particular headquarters, one of many, is situated on the interior of a moon that circles a world in the Milky Way galaxy. The reason we are at this particular headquarters is that the Milky Way galaxy is one of the sections of the universe that is leading the vibrational change of the universe this time. This moon base is neither small nor large. It is a crisscrossing of hallways, large rooms and sleeping areas, for all of the visitors that pass through it on a daily basis for research, meetings, or to stay for a while. It looks very much like what an airport on Earth looks like. I have spent most of my time waiting for the meeting, wandering around the complex greeting old friends, and meeting the many beings that are present here. There are always new faces and things to learn. I spent some time in my sleeping pod, catching up on this broadcast and taking a nap. The sleeping pods here are small, but comfortable, and each is designed to meet the needs of the being staying in it. For me, that means a comfy bed, a working desk, and some yummy snacks. Also, a window looking out on the stars. I strongly dislike not having a window in my room. Makes the room feel too small. I spent some time wandering around the technology bay, where beings from Sirius B and a few other worlds are reviewing their latest improvements to transportation beams. I stopped by the cafeteria to sample some exotic foods, the sweet and spicy bread from Pluto was particularly delicious, and I spent most of my time wandering the hallways and meeting new arrivals to the base. It may surprise you, but I even saw a few humans there this time. Not an organization of humans from Earth, but those individuals that have found ways to travel the stars, either mentally or physically. They were taking tours and working on projects with a few others. I have learned that some of them even have rooms and offices here now, which I think is exciting. It will be nice for the humans to begin to really see the universe, as the vibration shifts of the universe really begin to take root. Eventually, the time for the first meeting came, and I made my way to the conference hall. The hall is very large. It has to be to accommodate the varying heights and forms of all of the beings who we meet there. The hall has tall blue gray fabric walls. They are a tough woven fabric that is designed to block out sound. There are a few rounded windows that show the surface of the moon and the surrounding stars. This particular conference hall sits halfway underground and halfway on the surface of the moon, and the room has gray metal floors that look futuristic but really aren't. They were designed years ago to match the current space trends. Really, they should be upgraded at some point, but they served their purpose, being easy to clean and manage. There is a long, white, rounded conference table that sits at the center of the room with chairs of various sizes and shapes tucked in around it. The room is warm, almost too warm for my tastes. I was thinking that the temperature might make me fall asleep. Beyond the traditional furnishings of the room, there was also a variety of items scattered about it. Ornate and colorful boxes shipped in from many worlds and holding items from different planets that Alliance members wish to share with each other, sometimes as gifts, sometimes just to show off the cool new things their world is creating. Some boxes held technology, others held food, and others held new and interesting fabric and crafting supplies. These items would be shared after the meeting was over or during breaks if there are any, an enjoyable break from the often long discussions that the Alliance needed to have. It is also a great way for worlds to share a little piece of their lives with those that don't actually get to visit. I was the first to arrive to the room. I placed my notebook and other pieces of technology by my chair, but didn't bother to sit down. Soon enough, other members of the Galactic Alliance arrived, and I began making my way around the room to talk to everyone, and exchange welcomes before we began. I took some time to talk with the representative from the reptilian worlds to catch up on their latest news and their black hole research. I also spent some time with the representative from the Mantis worlds to discuss their views on Chester before the meeting started. The Mantis being in attendance is named Ola. They are around 7,000 years old and have been in charge of the Mantis Space Force for much of their life. I was interested to get their perspective because they had witnessed many beings like Chester in their life. In the end, though, the only advice we had time for, beyond a promise to pick up the discussion later, was that Ola thought we just needed to get in gear and stop dilly-dallying. It was at that point where I was laughing at their use of the word dilly-dally and trying to figure out where they had learned it that the meeting was called to order. Well, they would have waited to start the meeting if I had asked, but I figured it was impolite to make everyone wait. So I took my seat, along with everyone else, and we began. The beings around the table varied greatly, as you might expect. There were humanoid beings, beings made of light that had no form, beings that are insects, beings that are lizards, beings that were a mix of all things, and beings that had liquid forms. One being in particular that I was meeting for the first time was from the outer edges of the galaxy and existed as a pool of what looked like black ink. You could only see them when they chose to move about the room, otherwise, they simply looked like a shadow sitting on the floor or chair. In many ways, the meeting was probably a lot like the meetings you attend during your lives. We took roll call, we started with any old business that was important, made some general announcements about the planned agenda, and then we heard reports from different members of the Alliance about their projects. That took most of the morning, working our way through the logistics of running a universe and resolving the issues that come up year to year. It wasn't until late morning that we got to the bigger discussion. The Alliance decided that they wanted to start with my news about Chester so that they could first determine if it was an agenda item that should take importance over any others. I took my time, sharing all of the details I had, sharing the history of what had happened before for those who were not alive then, and talked about the recent loss of contact with some of the other beacons. There was great concern over the loss. The Alliance decided that in addition to those I had out searching that they would send their own representatives out to help as well. They did not want to leave the beacons in danger and wanted to help if they could. I agreed that we would accept the help of a small armada, but that I did not want to put any other world in danger since we did not know what was going on in full yet. They brushed aside my concerns and took a short break to send out their pilots to join the search party. I was grateful for this. I was hoping they would want to help without me pushing them into it. We then moved on to how my news impacted the greater project we had been working on, the vibrational shift of the universe. I believed, and had not told the other beacons yet, that Chester's real goal was to stop the vibrational shift of the universe and to keep certain planets at a low vibrational frequency. Why is this important, you ask? Well, in very, very simple terms... Planets that operate on a lower vibrational frequency have more violence and hate. Planets that operate on a higher vibrational frequency see more peace and happiness. There is room here for a much more in-depth conversation, but those are the simplest terms I can think of. So when we talk about raising the vibration of the universe, we are talking about lessening the hate and violence, and increasing the happiness and peace of every world. Yes, individual worlds can make this transition on its own, and many have but when the whole universe makes vibrational jumps, the impact of that change is larger and further reaching. The other question you are asking, and the Alliance also asked, is how could Chester impact this as just a single being? This requires a little bit of history to understand. Again, there's a lot I could say here, but let's keep it simple for now. When the universe was first born, all of the planets that existed and have come to exist were split into four categories. Four learning areas where souls could be born and could learn about existing. The first category of planets are where new souls begin and are worlds of true joy and happiness. Souls on these worlds live peaceful and happy lives where they are just learning how to exist. They are easy and quiet lives. The second category of planets are worlds where souls learn about empathy. The lives they live there are focused on learning to understand others and the experiences they share and have. The third category of planets are worlds where souls learn about knowledge. Their lives are spent in the pursuit of learning anything and everything. The fourth category of planets are worlds where souls learn about spirituality. The lives they live there are about learning about themselves on the soul level and how they connect to the greater universe. These four categories of worlds existed for a few millennia, but we've reached a point where it was decided that souls also needed a place to learn how to put all of these pieces together. So, a fifth category of worlds was created where the planets are worlds where souls must combine the lessons they have learned about joy, empathy, knowledge, and spirituality into one life, and be able to hold on to those pieces. Earth is an example of one of these worlds. These worlds are often the most difficult for a soul to live on as they learn to balance all of these things, but these worlds also allow for the vibrational level of the universe to increase more quickly because of how much a soul learns during these lives. As time passed, it was decided that all worlds should contain all four categories, in different ratios, yes, but they should all be present, so that the growth of the universe could accelerate. When this decision was made, most worlds were excited, but there were a few that very much did not like the idea. No world was going to be forced to change, and there are still some that have not, but there were still worlds that simply did not want the universe to change at all. They did not want their views clouded with a concept or way of living that they had never had to understand before. One example is that two of the worlds that focused only on the gathering of knowledge did not want emotion or empathy getting in the way of their research. Chester sympathizes with these worlds as he views things in the same way. But rather than have discussions and work together with the Galactic Alliance, the Beacons, and the others to find solutions that work for everyone, I believe he hopes to start a war. Or rather, he has already started one in the hopes that he can stop the vibrational shift and instead of moving everyone forward, dragging all planets and worlds backwards. I believe he is using these planets' fear to achieve his goals, even if they don't understand that that's what he's doing. I shared this history and my concerns with the Galactic Alliance, and they agree. They think it is very possible that this is a goal that Chester has and that the peace and growth of the universe is at risk. We talked into the night about what actions we can take, We could simply capture Chester, an idea deemed not workable. We could publicize to the universe what was happening. An idea still being considered, but is difficult because not all worlds are yet at the place where they understand vibrations and ascension. The idea we landed on was to send out our own observers to figure out how much Chester had already accomplished and to figure out who is following his lead. I and other Alliance members are also going to travel out to other worlds to gather information as quickly as we can. We don't think we will fail. I am cautiously optimistic, but there is always a chance we will be mistaken or surprised. I am sitting in my pod now, getting ready to travel. I hope this broadcast was not too much information for you, but sometimes history and context is needed before more parts of the story can be told the way they need to be. For our next broadcast, I will share a letter from a beacon if I have it. If not, I will update you about my journey to the 10th planet of your solar system. Astra. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Jelly Files podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you are having a great day. The Star Jelly Files is written, produced, voice acted, and created by me, Elizabeth Hamblett. If you would like to support the podcast and gain access to bonus content, check out my Patreon at www.patreon.com starjellyfiles star If you would like to learn more about the podcast or visit our merch store, check us out at www.starjellyfiles.com. The links are also in the description.